0: Holy Spirit, you are in us all the time. Everywhere we go, you dwell within us. But we know, we know from your word that there are times through our sin that we can grieve you, that we can quench you, that we can, that we can minimize your power in our lives. We've, we've sung these two songs today, not just because they're a pair, of our, a pair of our favorite tunes, but because we truly believe that without the power of the Spirit, we're doing nothing here. We're doing nothing. And so, God, today I pray that whatever, whatever might be in the way of, of the movement of your Spirit in us and within us, that it would be removed, that we would ask for forgiveness of sin, that we, would, that we would take bold steps in the direction of your Holy Spirit. We welcome him today. We love the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You can have a seat. Wow, we have some fun updates for you, and I I just don't know where to begin. Obviously, I'm always mentioning beauty, nature, that Mm -hmm. sort of thing, so as you walked in today, those viburnum are just smelling absolutely wonderful. As you leave the front door today, make sure you stop, take a good smell, oh my word, it's amazing. Red buds are kind of getting to the other end of red, but they're still looking pretty, so that's looking great. Along those lines, we've, we've opened up the patio now, so on Sunday mornings, the umbrellas are back out there, the seats are cleaned, and the spaces are ready. If you need to have a conversation with somebody or whatever, just head on out to the patio. It's a great spot to sit and enjoy, enjoy beauty it's a great spot and each to go other.
1: Grab- Grab lunch, bring it back, and have it here either with your family or with a small group or just a friend too. So take advantage of that throughout the summer.
0: And then my other update is the Hey Dude update. I got to tell you. So I, I have a few things about this. It's pretty weak. Pretty much, pretty much. <laughs> I, I've, become a, I've become an influencer, okay? So uh, here, here are a few things about this that you got to know. Last week I wore these uh, birthday present from you and Riley and Emmett, and I love them. Um, I, between my 60 years of, of mileage on my feet and psoriatic arthritis, at the end of a church day, my feet are usually just screaming. Last week they were singing. They were just, they were singing and beautiful. So that, that was amazing. But then this morning I put them on and I looked down and I went, oh my word, it's grandpa Pap. And I'm not talking about me. I'm talking about, I'm talking about Gabriel Pap, my dad's grandpa. These are my grandpa's slippers. These are my grandpa's slippers. I'm like, Grandpa, how you doing, dude? My, my grandpa, he used to sit in a chair. I never saw him stand up. Sitting in his chair, that thing was so worn out, he smoked a pipe, and he wore these slippers that looked just like hay dudes. So I don't know if I'm stylish like a teenager or... Um, <laughs> really out of it like a like a grandpa that left the earth in 1976. Yeah,
1: you were giving away free ads and now you're not going back down. So I think we we've, we've hit the wash point. So
0: Let's I get. think now the kids will stop wearing them and we the aged can get with it. I like it. I like it. It's been no, it's been fun. They really wow. comfy. Nice. Very very good. Very, very good. That's awesome. I love it. So um you speaking of feet you did some running yesterday
1: yeah i'm i'm dumb and i like to run um i enjoy it. i train to run and then i pay to go run with other people and so that's about awesome 2200 people down uh, in champaign yesterday ran 13 miles at, together and, and it's all, running is funny because you know it's a lot of work and everybody thinks you're crazy And then you get to the finish line, and actually the, the finish of the Illinois half marathon, and when they bring it back, the marathon, finishes in the Illinois football stadium. Oh, cool. And I can promise you that there's more cheering and excitement at the end of the half marathon, than there ever will be on an Illinois football day. <laughs> but it's, it's so funny because people will come dressed like I, I ran with um, Abraham Lincoln yesterday. There's a guy who comes every year dressed like Honest Abe, oh, like top, the top hat <laughs> and all, and runs the whole thing. So like, there are some real goofballs, but running is the only thing. Again, I just said 2,200 runners, right? Yeah. I finished in 379th place. And everybody's like high-fiving. No, 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 no. I'm going in the opposite direction. Everyone's high-fiving and congratulating. And I'm looking at this. I'm like, 370. For one, that's a lot of people that worked a lot harder than me. I mean, three, th- to have 378 people beat you. Imagine anything else in life. Anything else. Literally anything. Hey, you ran for uh, president. And you finished 379th. Imagine, uh, I, I mean, I, anything in life. You, you applied for a job. Well, you know, there were 2,200 applicants, and we, we only hired one, but you finished in 379th. Or you're an MLB baseball team. You finished in 379th. That's still one spot better than the White Sox. So, Ooh. Ooh. Sorry. Sorry. Ooh, I had to throw some shade. Digging at
0: the wife. What the world? I had to throw some woo. shade
1: because, wow, the Cardinals are bad, but woo. <laughs> the White Sox <socks> are terrible. <laughs> my goodness gracious. So, yeah. <laughs> See you in August. No, <laughs> but Yeah, no, so it was fun. I'm glad it's done because uh, now I go into my week-long sore period before I decide to do this all all over again next year. So, yeah.
0: Well, good job because uh, I sat yesterday and it was amazing. (laughs) (laughs) Weekend update came out and uh, I think one of the things to be aware of is that today's the last day for Green Lake signups, right? For students.
1: Yeah, we need to start start making some orders. So we've gotta order all the t shirts, all the supplies, and get everything ready for our kids. So we need to know who's coming. And today is the official last day that you can get registered, so We've been saying it week after week, but if you've forgotten and or you're in that panic mode or you've been pushing it off because like, we're trying to figure out family vacation schedules or whatever, today's the last day because uh, we have to lock in vans, we have to lock in room assignments, and all that stuff starts to come together. I was actually just talking with John Dobson at the back. He's like, was it a busy week? I'm like, no, but it's about to be <laughs> because uh, with the closing <clears throat> of registration, it means that the the summer is is here and all that stuff is is getting ready so really excited about it but make sure if you've been if there's a doubt if you're like i don't know if i should or i don't know if um, it's the right trick do it do it just come along and and see so
0: yeah quest registrations continue day camp Mm -hmm. is just continuing it seems like every few every few hours i get another ding and there's another person that's registered so that's cool to see that going the adult serve squad that, that's kind of tiny even for me, but I believe you can sign up through Mother's Day uh, for the adult serve squad, so you get involved in uh, serving during that week, and uh, you don't necessarily sign up for what you're going to do ahead of time. Right. You sign up saying, I'm willing to be a servant, and, and, then, and then we fill needs. Yeah, so, exactly.
1: We identify the yeah. need and put you in it, and if you are a student that wants to serve in that, we ask that you go to the Info Hub and actually make that request face-to-face, because what we don't want, to be honest with you, is... A lot of students who are told, you know, mom or dad says, well, you're serving, and then they spend the whole week doing this. You know, We want to make sure that these are students who are excited about being here and willing to be helpful and follow directions and all that. So if you are a student who wants to be on Serve Squad, you don't already have that role, go to the Info Hub today and make that request. Hey, can I be on, or I'm interested in being on the Serve Squad. We'll get your name and and get everything set up just like... uh, like the adults.
0: Let me let me put another angle on it too. I mean, I was one of those kids, honestly, who if I wanted to do something, my mom was the one who would go talk for me, and it was an area that kept me from growing up a little bit sooner. So, you know, for for a, a kid to have to walk up to an adult and say, "Hey, I want to be involved." Yeah. You're going to have to interact with them all week. You might as well start mm-hmm. when you sign up, you know? So, it's a good thing to to get those conversations, yeah. get those conversations going. But, um, and then the other thing is just the, the awareness that as summer comes now, we, we'll, we'll talk about this just about every week, just so that you don't miss it, but one of the traditions we have around here that we, that we enjoy, we've been doing it now for a few years, is we have three Sundays during the summer that we go outside For church so the first one is the memorial day weekend and then fourth of july weekend and then labor day weekend so you gotta it's easy to think those three holiday weekends we'll be doing outdoor services here on the lawn 10 o'clock one of them fourth of july because it's at the end of day camp we're keeping the tent around so for the fourth of july one we'll have a tent to protect us a little bit from the sun but the other two, we will be outdoor on the lawn and uh, enjoying a time of worship together. Everybody's together. So the kids are with us, and that's okay. Uh, if, they, if they talk or scream, uh, nature swallows it. So it's not, <laughs> yes. it's not a big deal. But um, those three Sundays are coming up. So. Yeah,
1: easy way to remember it. It's the last Sunday in May, and then the first Sunday of July, first Sunday of September. So Good. those in-between months um, Aren't, aren't in there, but yeah, last Sunday of May, first Sunday of July, first Sunday of September.
0: Do you have anything you want to add on the student front or anything?
1: No, just that we have uh, Mother's Day coming up, and I do want to throw out there that Revive is going to continue with our Mother's Day tradition. Uh, we've actually got a really special game that's been designed by Robert David Klusny, who's going to uh, be running a, 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 I'll keep it a secret for now, but it's a okay. super, super fun game. Um, so our moms are going to be invited out for that afternoon. So, um, we will be doing a, a Mother's Day afternoon with Revive. That's the high schoolers, um, and then I, for years, I've heard stuff about Father's Day, and uh, I think this year we may have to just make that happen. So, awesome. So just know that the, those Very couple cool. things are cool. are coming up for cool. uh, for Revive. All
0: right. Very good. Cool. Very good. So we're gonna go to communion. Um, the opportunity to. Are you leaving me? I it was done. No. <laughs>
1: This no. is first service. You're you done get... when
0: I say dismissed.
1: You guys get the truly organic experience and I love it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I want you to read this. So we're going to we're going to move to we're going to move to communion and uh and uh, we we're looking at 1 Peter and and rather than just reading the passage that we're dealing with today, I'd like to go to chapter 5. Some verses in there that are that are common and loved. You know, for those of us that are dealing with uh, worry and fear, Peter has something to say about that. For those of us that are dealing with attack, satanic attack, Peter has something to say about that. So on through just before what says greetings.
1: So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil, He prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering that you are. In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you and he will place you on a firm foundation. Hmm. All power to him forever. Amen.
0: I love that last line. All power to him forever. We have tables at the front and the back, gluten-free on either side of the platform. A gluten-free table at the back by the camera as well. And um, the song this morning lasts a little longer, going a little over four minutes. So I want you to have some time to uh, breathe and relax in the presence of God, particularly today. Uh, as, as the verse talked about cares and anxieties I'd encourage you to to get one in your mind and leave it at the table leave it at the table you're you're thinking about the ways that you're oppressed right now he says be strong stand firm be alert the devil is roaming about seeking whom he may devour take some time to pray to god for strength during those attacks let's uh walk to communion now for most of us, being slow in your presence is not an easy thing. Time of quiet, we tend to want to pull out our phone and take a peek or turn on some noise, have a conversation, go do something. And just sit for a couple minutes and be quiet. Is, it's not easy. And yet it is in the quiet. It is in the quiet that we find you. It's in the quiet that we finally rest long enough that we remember you are there. You're always there, but we forget. And we do this morning bring you our cares, our anxieties, our worries. We don't need the world's solutions for these. We have you. I pray that we would learn more and more what it means to cast our cares on you because you care for us. You love us and you care for us. We are not alone. We are not abandoned. We're never abandoned. You're always with us. When no other human is around, you are with us. Those times that we know the intensity of the, the attack of the enemy, we pray, as is said in the Lord's Prayer, that you would deliver us from evil and deliver us from the evil one. Keep us protected from his attacks. Help us to be aware that he is there, that he is present, and that he does mischievous things in our lives and evil things in our lives. And uh, that We would live with an awareness of the presence of, and power of satan but we would know that the presence and power of god is always always greater we continue to lift up to you the opportunities we have in the near future as as camp comes closer uh, we realize that that people are making that decision to sign up i pray that more and more would be prompted to do so i pray for leaders as they start to prepare everything from lessons to breakouts to groups as they even just get mentally ready for it god i pray that you would move us to get spiritually ready for it as well that we would spend time praying about what is coming that we would realize that the, that what we're about to undertake is a spiritual action not just not just a physical activity not just babysitting god but this is really a chance to help kids come in and encounter with the holy god i pray the same for green lake and and this week i pray in particular for the projects that we'll do for the things that the the conference ground has us doing, whether it is something like clearing buckthorn, which is a blast, or something far more intricate, I um, pray that when we leave that week, uh, once again, there would be a a smile on the faces staff as they realize without this this body, this army of kids coming to help, uh, they'd be really, really far behind in some of their tasks. And so I pray that through that we would once again be a tremendous encouragement to the staff that is there all year round, even in February in dreadful Wisconsin winters. Thank you that we don't have to be there then, and that we get the chance to be there in the summer when it's fun and beautiful and the water is warmer. And God, we continue to pray for LifeWise and the ways that you're going to use that in our community. I pray that his parents have the opportunity to learn more about it. There would be curiosity. There would be um excitement and that they would see that there's a great privilege and opportunity for those their kids to get some learning that that they're not getting right now in the same way and so again open hearts and minds to the to the opportunity ahead we love you we thank you that we can come into your presence and talk to you in jesus name amen well welcome to week three in first peter And as we go through this book, this letter, I want to encourage you to take some time to read it a few times. It's only five chapters long. Uh, No chapter, I think, is longer than 25 verses. They're all, they're pretty brief chapters. We have a variety of tools available for you to go ahead and do that. A lot of us have multiple paper Bibles around our house, but you know, if you don't, we give them away. So as you're leaving through the door today on the right-hand side, you'll see that we have two different kinds of Bibles out there, New Living Translation that's written in a little bit more American English style, and then the English Standard Version that's a little more literal and and gives you a little more uh, literal translation of what's happening there. But get one of those paper Bibles and start reading through 1 Peter. Read it a few times, get familiar with it. I also really, really like the Bible app. Uh, it's a great tool. I try to use it uh, every day, listening through what the Word of God has to say. If you go to that app and you type in First Peter, it'll take you to several plans that will, that will walk you through that letter. Several of them uh, last under a week, so that, that's another opportunity and the other is uh the dwell app that we use that's a bible listening you get to listen to scripture in fact the music we listened to this morning uh, some of you may recognize that as some of the music that plays behind scripture on the on the dwell app Uh, if you go to our website and look under Apps and Links. You'll see a link to get to not only the app, but also our church has a subscription to that. So you can go ahead and hit the subscription. And when you do, uh, as you look down through the list, you'll see that Southfield has a group. And under that, we've created a First Peter listening list. So you can listen to it either a chapter, uh, a chapter a day, or you can listen to it all at once. But but take the time to listen to or read through First Peter. Uh, it's a, it's a pretty easy read, and there's there's just a lot of practical wisdom found in this particular letter. As you read through it, you're going to notice two things, I think. The first is, if you've been around church for a while, been around Christianity for a bit, you'll notice that this particular short letter has a lot of verses in it that are really common to us. Some of them that we don't even necessarily know the reference to, but we know the verse. For example, if you're in 1 Peter chapter 1, uh, he quotes Isaiah chapter 40. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of the Lord remains forever. We have that promise that, that while everything else might fade away, the word of the Lord never, ever goes away. It never, ever stops being effective. It's always there. First Peter chapter 2, like newborn babies, you must crave spiritual milk so you will grow into the full experience of salvation. He says, cry out for this nourishment now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Uh, this, of course, is taking on extra special meaning these days as uh, Emmett heads to our house during the day. And uh, what I've learned about Emmett is that kid can go from content to starving in seconds i mean he'll just be smiling and having a great time and all of a sudden boom the cry starts and and you know what the cry means where's my meal i'm ready to go and and what a beautiful picture that that we should be starving we should be crying out to taste the word of god uh, if you go to 1 Peter chapter 3, boy, we quote this one around here a lot. You must worship Christ as the Lord of your life. Always be ready to give an answer for the reason, for the hope that is in you, and do it with gentleness and respect. Found in 1 Peter chapter 3. Two of them in 1 Peter chapter 5. We read them this morning. Humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, he will lift you up. Give all your cares. Cast all your cares on him, for he cares about you. That verse should be on a lot of our fridges and a lot of our dashboards. We need this. Give all your worries, all your cares to God. He truly cares about you. And then that follow-up goes to a great care in our lives. Be alert. Watch out. Your great enemy, the devil, he prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. He says, stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. You don't have to cower. You don't have to be, be fearful. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering that you are. Lots of common verses. If you're reading through this, you'll find more, I promise, more that are very, very common. The second thing you'll notice as you're you're reading through this letter is that uh, Peter's main theme is the theme of suffering. And the suffering that Peter emphasizes is is persecution, paying the price for standing for Christ. Every chapter touches on suffering, and some go into great depth on the topic. For Peter and, and his recipients, this is not a theoretical topic. People were losing their jobs, they were losing friendships, they were losing family, and they were losing their lives for the sake of the gospel. One of the things you will notice as you read this is that he actually commends suffering and its spiritual benefits. He says there are spiritual benefits behind confronting suffering properly, and we'll get to more on that in the next few weeks. Today, I want to focus on another theme of this letter, and that's the theme of holiness. Peter has a lot to say about holiness in this book. As, we're, as, we're, as we head back uh, to the paragraph that we looked at last week, those verses, we're gonna, we unpacked the first line, you remember, last week. We looked at what it meant to prepare your mind for action, to gird up the loins of your mind, to, to gather your tunic up. Tie it up like a dude diaper so that you can run, so that you can do battle, so that you don't stumble when you're about to get involved in activity. And he says the same is true for the spiritual battle. You got to be prepared. We talked about that preparation being to remember that we can always be people of hope. There's always hope that you don't conform, you don't go along to get along and that our status is not that of citizen of the world. We are strangers, we are exiles, we are foreigners, we are truly not of this world. And embedded in this instruction, in that particular paragraph, Peter quotes another Old Testament verse. So let me read it from the beginning again. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come When Christ Jesus is revealed to the world, you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy satisfy your old desires. You didn't know better back then. You do now. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God is holy. The God who chose you is holy. For Scripture says you must be holy because I am holy be holy and he says everything you do God is holy so you be holy be holy he uses that word holy five times in this letter and five times in second peter peter's kind of into holiness it matters a lot in peter's mind now when you look at the word holy in the Old Testament and New Testament, you find two different words used. I love the word holy. Sometimes I just like Greek words because of the way they sound. So the Greek word for holy in the New Testament is hagios, hagios. And it's used around 200 times in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, it's the word kadosh or kadesh. It's pronounced a little different ways, around 430 times in the Old Testament and 96 of them are in the book of Leviticus. So this is a very major biblical theme. The word is used a lot. Holiness matters. Now here's the thing. We know that the main theme of the book is suffering. Why in the world is Peter going to emphasize holiness when these people are in the middle of great pain and suffering? Well first, I think there are two reasons. First, the people are living in a real pagan pit. Remember, Christ has only died, was buried, and rose again about 30 years prior. The gospel is still in its infancy. People are not only hearing the good news of Christ, but they're also learning a new way of life. They're learning a new moral code. They're learning instruction on how to live. Prior to this, people still would have been religious but the religious, uh, religions of their time were incredibly corrupt and full of evil sexual practices, including going to the temple and having sex with a temple prostitute. This was, this was part of worship. This is, this is where these people's minds and hearts are. And, you know, honestly, in many ways, our times are similar. Since the 1960s, there's been a hard push to eradicate all things religious from the public square. In the name, of course, of separation of church and state, God, the Bible, and prayer have been actively eliminated from public life, from school, and from government. They say religion has no place here. But here's the funny thing. God was eliminated, the Bible was eradicated, and prayer is prohibited, but religion in those squares is alive and well. It's just not a God-centered religion. It's a religion of humanism and secularism. And yes, that is a religion. It's a religion. Our kids are being taught religion, pagan secularism. They're being indoctrinated in a secularist worldview on the formation of the world. They're being indoctrinated in a a secularist way of how to care for the planet and sexual practices that are centered in pure selfishness. Our kids are being taught a religion. It's a state-sponsored religion, and it's the kind of religious movement that the founding fathers feared as in the time of Peter, we have our work cut out for us, teaching a way of life that is is fighting against a very strong headwind. So that's one reason that he's going to talk about holiness, because the people live in corrupt times and need to learn the definition. But there's a second reason he stresses holiness, and this one is related to human nature. We have a, a nasty little human habit. When times get tough, when we've had a bad day or a bad minute, we can justify bad behavior. Isn't it amazing? When things aren't going well, we can easily justify bad behavior, right? When, when things are not their best, we, we think we have the right to not be our best. We can justify the worst of behavior in the name of having a bad day or, or a bad season Our morality tends to be graded on a curve based on how bad the day was. If times get tough, we think it's okay to slip. Got a bad boss? It's okay to slack off. Got a bad spouse? It's okay to cheat. Got a bad lot in life? It's okay to steal. Got a bad government? It's okay to break every law you want. You may not want to read Peter If you think bad situations justify a bad attitude or bad behavior, his message is so contrary to our human instincts. So I want to give you just two passages to see here, okay? Here's the first. It's in chapter 3. For the Lord's sake, submit to all authority, whether the king as head of state or the officials he has appointed. For the king is sent to punish those who do wrong and to honor those who do right. Now get a little context. Peter's king is Nero. Nero, all right? I mean, we, we've got some pretty stinky political leaders. None of them are on Nero level. None of them are on Nero level. And what does he say? For the Lord's sake, submit to all human authority, whether the king is head of state or the officials he has appointed. He goes on to say, it is God's will that your honorable lives That your holiness should silence those ignorant people who make foolish accusations against you. For you are free, yet you are God's slaves. You're owned by someone. So don't use your freedom as an excuse to do evil. Respect everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Respect and honor the king. Hey, wait. He goes, he goes for more. You think, you think bad circumstances justify bad behavior? Next passage. Verse 18. You who are slaves must submit to your masters with all respect. Do what they tell you, not only if they are kind and reasonable, but even if they are cruel. For God is pleased when conscious of his will, you patiently endure unjust treatment. Wow, that is so anti-American. God is pleased when you patiently endure unjust treatment. Of course, you get no credit for being patient if you're, if you're beaten. It literally says beaten for doing wrong. But if you suffer for doing good and endure it patiently, God is pleased with you. I mean, these, boom, right? We just automatically think if our circumstances are bad, it's okay to be bad. And Peter says, no, no way, our circumstances never justify bad behavior or a bad attitude. Peter does does not preach a false gospel of rise up and resist. He tells us that respect and submission are actually pathways to holiness for the Christ follower. And holiness is God's great goal for all of us to be like Jesus. That's the goal. Look at the next part of this passage. He says, for God called you to do good, even if it means suffering, just as Christ suffered for you. He is your example, and you must follow in his steps. And then he gives a little little idea of what Jesus went through. He never sinned. He never deceived anyone. You think you're good? He never sinned. Come on, even you mess up from time to time. He did not retaliate when he was insulted nor threatened revenge when he suffered. He left his case in the hands of God who always judges fairly. He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. By his wounds you've been healed. Once you were like sheep who wandered astray. Sounds very Isaiah 53, right? But now you have turned to your shepherd, the guardian of your souls. This is what the Bible says. Suffer like Jesus suffered. Submit like Jesus submitted. To be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. I gotta admit to you, I cannot say I like this on a natural level. I read this, and this is part of the Bible that I like to say, meant for different times. Let's just let's just ignore this. On a natural level, I want to resist. On a natural level, I want to retaliate. On a natural level, I want to rebel. On a natural level, I want to riot. But we are not natural. We're not natural. That's the point. We're bought with a price. You are not your own. You were bought with a price. You're bought with a price. I am owned. I belong to someone. My life is not mine. And this is what holiness is all about. When most of us think holiness, we think about sin. And we, and we think about, about sinlessness, get, getting rid of sin. That's, that's where our mind goes when we think about holiness. We think about purity. And that is not an, accurate, an inaccurate thought. But it isn't the whole story either. As Peter talks about holiness, he does talk about behavior in five short chapters, several times he's going to list the way the world is. and He's going to say, we're to be different. We have a different way of living. In this passage we're looking at today, he actually starts talking about behavior when he talks about holiness. He says, but now you must be holy in everything you do. He's talking behavior, right? Be holy in everything you do, just as God who chose you is holy. Be holy in, in everything you do. Holiness is related to behavior, no doubt. But if we make it all about behavior, we miss the more fundamental issue. Do you remember when Peter, Jesus had the conversation with the, the rich young ruler in Matthew chapter 19? His fellow comes to Jesus and basically says, hey, what do I need to do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus gives him some ideas of, of laws that, that he probably has broken, right? He says, you must not murder, you must not commit adultery, you must not steal, you must not testify falsely, you must honor your father or mother, you must love your neighbor as yourself. And, and this fellow says, with pride, I've obeyed all those commandments. Is there anything else? Is there anything else I must do? What, what else do I need to do to inherit eternal life? I'm going to leave that story for a moment. Here's the thing. This guy thinks he's into holiness. He's not into holiness at all. He's into sin management. He's into sin management. For for too many of us, we turn holiness into a sin management program. Great behavior does not lead to eternal life. Jesus makes quite clear to the rich young ruler. He says, this is what you need to do. Give up everything and follow me. And the guy says, I'd rather just manage my sin than follow you, Jesus. Jesus. Holiness is not fundamentally about rules. Holiness is fundamentally about relationship. That's what it's about. Look at the passage again. But now you must be holy in everything you do, just as God, who chose you, is holy. He chose you. You're in relationship with Him. For the Scripture says, you must be holy because I, your Father God, am holy. God who chose you, is holy. I'm not my own. I've been bought with a price. Therefore, I honor God in all I do because I am in relationship with Him. And that's what holiness is all about. Holiness results in changed behavior, but simply changing behavior without relationship is sin management 101. God is not looking to reform you. God is looking to transform you. He wants to fundamentally change you. Holiness is not as much an issue of activity as it is an issue of identity. Let's go back to that Greek word again, hagias, because it's so fun, okay? You look at this word. And, and if you understand, like, languages like this, Spanish does the same thing. The endings matter in terms of figuring out whether it's, whether it's a masculine or fem, feminine or neuter noun and whether it's singular or plural. So the OS at the end makes that a singular, a singular noun, right? It's just, it's holy. But it's interesting when you turn it to a plural. A plural is O-I instead of O-S. Hagioi. Hagioi is not just holy, Hagioi is holy ones. It's the word that's often translated in the New Testament, saints. Saints. To the saints which are at Ephesus and the faithful in Christ Jesus, to the Hagioi who are at Ephesus and the faithful in Christ Jesus. You know what this this Scripture passage is saying? Saying your fundamentally identity as a believer is a holy one. You You are a holy one. The words for holy in the Bible mean separate from common use, dedicated, hallowed, pure, righteous, ceremonially or morally pure and hallowed. Righteousness and purity are part of the definition, but so is separate, set apart, dedicated, and hallowed. I want to give an example that I hope will show what what we're talking about here. If you look back in Exodus chapter 20, Do you remember in the Ten Commandments, God has some things to say about the Sabbath. In fact, it's the longest explanation of any of the Ten Commandments. Some of them are as short as do not murder, do not steal. This one goes on for a bit. He writes, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. You have six days every week to do your ordinary work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. On that day, no one in your household may do any work. This includes your sons and daughters, your male and female servants, your livestock, any foreigners living among you. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens, the earth, the sea, and everything in them. But on the seventh day, he rested. That is why the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and set it apart as holy. He says, remember to observe the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. This is why the Lord set apart the Sabbath, it says, and made it holy holy. This verse teaches us something about holiness in the definition. Do you think that when God said, make the Sabbath day holy, he was saying, don't sin on the Sabbath. It's okay to sin the six other days. Sin like a banshee. Go, do whatever you want. But, but on the Sabbath, no sinning allowed. You, you never be, it's okay to be impure for six days, but on the seventh day, manage your sin well. No. He's saying that six days are basically the same, but one day is special. You have six days to do your ordinary work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath day of rest dedicated to the Lord your God. Six days are work, they are ordinary, but one day is special. It's unique, it's extraordinary. The Sabbath has a unique identity, it is holy. It is separate, sacred, set apart, dedicated, and hallowed. Holy is your identity. It's about much more than your action. Holy flows, holy action flows out of a holy identity. We are unique. We are different. We are set apart. We are sacred. Look at chapter 2, verse 9. It says, but you are not like that, for you are God's chosen people. You're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. You're God's very own possession. Now, if, if you are like me and you grew up a King James Bible kid, by the way, King James was a version of the Bible for 500 years before it was a basketball player. But anyway, if you grew up a King James Bible verse kid, you, you remember this verse and you remember something about it that seemed a little weird. It read, But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation a peculiar people. I always thought that would be an interesting church name. Peculiar People Church. Ah, very, very interesting. You're a peculiar people. I got to tell you, as a little kid, I didn't like being called peculiar. I didn't like that at all. I wonder why in the world would anybody want to be peculiar? Peculiar can be strange and odd, but you know what it also means? It can mean special and unique. It can mean special. You are God's very own possession is the way it's translated. You are special. You are different. You are not like the others. We struggle with holiness because we see it more in light of action than we do in light of identity. You belong to God. You are God's very own possession. You are unique. You are special. You are set apart. You are not like the rest. And because we are not like the rest, we do feel like strangers and outcasts and foreigners and aliens and sojourners. If you don't feel like you belong, you got the right feeling. If you feel like you belong, something's wrong. We shouldn't feel like we belong because we don't. We're peculiar people. We're special. We're extraordinary because we belong to God. Now, this identity we're told from Peter is rooted in our paternity. He says, "You're to be holy because I am holy, because your your father is holy. You're to be like your father." Peter quotes actually three different times in Leviticus that Jesus says this or that God says this in Leviticus eleven forty four to forty five, Leviticus nineteen two, and Leviticus twenty verse seven. There was a phrase used in that Bible version of my youth. Uh, That helps me to understand who I am when it comes to holiness. In Leviticus chapter 27, Moses was talking about an aspect of of property that, that you would give to God. You would give it to God. And he made this statement. He said, it shall be holy unto the Lord. It shall be holy unto the Lord. More recent translations use a phrase like, it's set apart specially for the Lord. It is the Lord's It belongs to the Lord. It has a unique purpose because it belongs to the Lord. Is it starting to sink in? Are you starting to hear it? We make holy all about activity, about sin management, and it feels oppressive, and it feels impossible. But most fundamentally, holiness is about identity. My Father is holy, and I want to be just like my Father. I belong to my Father. So I don't follow my own way. I don't, I don't fulfill my own agenda or the world's. I follow him. Again, back to Matthew 16. Jesus said, if you want to be my follower, you must give up your own way. You must take up your cross and follow me. If you try to hang on to your life, if you try to cling to it, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, only then will you save it. Hear this distinction. I am not following rules. I am following Jesus. And that doesn't mean that I ignore the rules. That does not mean that purity does not matter, but behavior flows from identity. For many of us, our behavior flows from our circumstances. If my circumstances are bad, it's okay to be bad. No. The Bible says no. Peter says no. Peter is conveying an important message and one that we're going to come back to again. Circumstances are irrelevant to behavior because behavior is rooted in identity. Here are the words of Paul again. I've used it a couple times today, but I want you to see the passage. It says, run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body than this one. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. He says, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? We sang about it this morning. The Spirit's living in you and is given to you by God. You do not belong to yourself and God bought you with a high price. So you must honor God with your body. We, we make the focus of this verse about behavior. Run from sexual sin. Paul makes it about identity. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? You are the dwelling place of the Spirit. And it was given to you by God. And you were bought with a price, a dear, steep price, the life of the Savior. Behavior is all about what? What should I do? What should I not do? But identity is about why and how. Why am I doing it in the first place? And how in the world do I do this? I do this in the power of God. I am not my own. I've been bought with a price. In uh, in AA and Alcoholics Anonymous and other recovery programs, the first three steps that people take are about identity. I am powerless. There is a power higher than me, and I must turn myself over to the care of the higher power. First three steps, and maybe some others too, but the first three steps are all about identity. However, I suspect that people that are involved in somebody that's going through AA and they hear there are 12 steps, they think something like this. It really should just be a one-step program. Stop drinking. Just stop. Just stop. Don't do it. Just stop. In fact, let's make it a three-step program. Stop drinking. Number two, I'm serious. Stop drinking. And number three to 12, repeat steps one to two. Just stop doing it. But it doesn't work. Sin management doesn't work because it all starts with identity. It starts with our relationship with God through Jesus Christ. We have to all realize I am powerless. He is powerful. And I am dependent on His power. And it is only when we realize our identity in God that we have any chance of experiencing holiness without Him holiness and wholeness are not possible at all. So many of us struggle with holiness because we focus on a list of sins to avoid rather than simply following Jesus step by step. I am his. I do not belong to me. I was bought with a price I am not like the rest. I am not like the world. I am separate. I am unique. I am distinct. Dare I say it? I am peculiar. We are holy unto the Lord. We we live a truly holy calling. My kids, Brian, Shelley, Nate, had the privilege and the burden of growing up pap. All right? They, they, They had the privilege and burden of growing up in our family it was a privilege because hey they had two of the best parents on the street and it was a burden because we didn't do it like everybody else now i know brian's a little older than the front row but brian waited till 16 to get that cell phone other kids were getting it earlier and occasionally you get the why can't i get one because we don't do it that way because that that's not the way and they, they got to the point that they knew There were just certain things we don't do things the way everybody else does and you know what's funny about us children in the family of god we keep looking around at the world and saying why don't i get to do that well why can't i have fun doing that and god says because we don't do that in our family because our family is holy because i am holy and i want you to be holy just like i'm holy It's about identity. It's about the family we're a part of. I mean, there are some of us who are just good. We manage sin well. And it means nothing outside of a relationship with God. Our holiness is based in our identity in the family of God. Let's stand together. Father, as we walk through this week, and we come up against the frustration of, that same sin again. Oh, it's not that you don't want us to do the wrong thing. I just pray that we'd start to realize there's a more fundamental issue at heart. It's not just all about our behavior. It's about our relationship. We are called to holiness because you are holy. And maybe, just maybe, If we'd stop trying to manage our sin and we'd start nurturing our relationship with you more, we'd start following you, Jesus, instead of doing our own thing, having our own way, looking longingly at the world and wishing we could do what they do, maybe then that identity of holiness would start resulting in holy behavior as well. Let us be transformed this week, not just reformed, but transformed in the name and power of Jesus in the holy spirit who lives us lives in us we love you god the father amen, amen. we'll see you next week